Hey, welcome to The Vessel, where beauty, yoga, and philosophy intersect. I'm your host, Vanessa Dove, model, yogini, and moonlight philosopher. Welcome to The Vessel. This is it. This is episode number one, and I have got a whole lot to introduce and break down for you. I'm your host, as you already know, Vanessa Dove, like the bird, and I love to think a lot. I was born for beauty. I live for beauty. I never want to stop thinking about beauty. Beauty is my lifestyle. Yoga is also my lifestyle. Uh, You know, I practice every day. Uh, I've spent thousands of dollars and hours into learning more, and I don't regret a single fucking thing. So it's a never-ending journey, uh, both of these, both beauty and yoga, and it re- they both represent so much to me. And yeah, I see both of these things being so misrepresented and so misunderstood and kind of blown out of context. So my goal for this, my intention, my purpose is to be a beacon of clarity on this matter. Um, Also, I just love breaking things down. I love picking things apart. I love analyzing. I love looking at abstract concepts. So, you know, this is going to be great combining my love of beauty, philosophy, and yoga, and showing to all of you that these three things are actually inextricable. So, for our first episode, we're going to break down whether it's even possible for beauty to be defined, what the philosophy is behind yoga, and what beauty and yoga have to do with one another. So let's begin. Uh, and first off, before we can explore the relationship between yoga and beauty, let's define them. And so, you know, defining things before we really start discussing them is important. Yoga Sutra, the first written text on yoga that we've discovered so far, written by a man named Patanjali about 2,500 years ago. Chapter 3, verses 17. The sound of a word, the idea behind the word, and the object the idea signifies are often taken as being one thing, but may be mistaken for one another. By self-control over their distinctions, understanding of all languages of all creatures arises. So, intense clarity is important. About the definition of beauty. So, I mean, let's just go to the dictionary. So, uh, Merriam-Webster, first definition of beauty It says, qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses, that's sight, hearing, smell, touch, taste, or pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit. Definition number two, a beautiful person or things, especially, and now it says this in italics, a beautiful woman. Definition number three, a particularly graceful, ornamental, or excellent quality. So we got pleasure, beauty, graceful, and excellence. So here's my definition of beauty. 
Beauty is confidence and health. Health is a habit and confidence is training. Confidence is training yourself to be comfortable doing anything. Beauty is also about how well you can tell a story with shapes, lines, and colors. When you have all of these things, you know, when you do these things with intention, when you make health a habit, and when you train yourself to be confident, and when you're intentional about the way you present yourself to the world, it produces this glow. Uh, and I know you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's like it radiates from within. And now these people are usually always good people as well, right? Like they practice kindness. They practice thoughtfulness, right? They care about personal development and evolution. Um, these things are pretty undeniable when you see them in front of you. And I have a feeling that you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what's attractive to me also is creativity, uh, genuine care for one's body. You know, I can't be around people that are not embodied unless you're like a student of mine, right? You know, and we're working on it, you know, as, as a yoga teacher, as, you know, um, skincare coach, you know, whatever. Um, but I, on a personal level, I just, I, I can't, it, it pains me to be around people who are so dissociated from their bodies, you know, and it makes it hard to connect because I, I, my body is, is my vehicle to everything, right? You know, I don't identify with my body, but I love my body and my body has taken me so far. It's allowing me to talk into the mic right now. I don't know what I would do if I ever lost control of it. You know, uh, being paralyzed is one of my biggest fears. I think it actually is my biggest fear, you know, losing control of my body because also so much of beauty is embodiment to me. You know, someone's ability to physically embody, to physically move about the world in a way that's connected to, you know, whatever quality it is that they want to embody. Um, and this also connects to being sensual. You know, I, I'm sure the word sensual, you might think of all kinds of different things, but at the end of the day, the essence of this is of the senses, right? So things that look good, things that smell good, right? People that sound good when they talk, people that feel good, um, Let's see, am I forgetting one? Oh, people that taste good, <laughs> right? I mean, when, when you have all five of these things, it's almost like you're fucking unstoppable, right? Um, so yeah, these are some of the things I like. Um, I also appreciate a bit of jewelry, you know, on men and women. So, but that's just me. Um, so and on a more abstract level, the things that are beautiful to me are softness, uh, Support and structure, intensity. Uh, I've looked for intensity my whole life before realizing that I am the intensity. Uh, and I look for this level of intensity in every person that I meet. I look for depth. I look for warmth. These are things that I, I don't know what it is about them, but I'm just undeniably attracted to them. Right. And when I when I see or meet people 
that check the box on some of these, it's, uh, you know, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm beside myself. I also find a lot of meaning in myths of personified or deified versions of beauty. Um, and I find them to be more valuable and more validating than modern society's definitions of beauty. In particular, Aphrodite, who is the goddess of beauty bathing in war. Um, and before I get into some of uh, the relevance to her, let's keep in mind the context of Greek imperialism when looking at this. So Aphrodite, I'm sure what popped up in your head was, you know, classical Western representation of a white woman who's naked standing in a shell, right? So uh, that painting is The Birth of Venus, by the way, uh, by Sandro Botticelli, um, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> but so Aphrodite was actually already being worshipped under different names before the rise of the Greek and Roman empires. Uh, specifically, she was worshipped uh, by people of Syria, uh, of southern Turkey, Iraq, Lebanon, Libya, Egypt, uh, and even Algeria. So, and of course, this is before the modern day countries that were named this were there, but geographically it was in these locations. So, uh, one of her names was Alilat, Alilat, Alita. Um, and, and she was associated with doves, lions, the color purple, weapons, war, blood, sex, passion, the oceans, wells, and bathhouses. And it was only after Greece conquered these areas that they absorbed her into their own cosmology. And then they applied on top of that their own imperialistic patriarchal values and they narrowed her down to just a goddess of beauty um, so you know interesting things to know so I've got a list of 10 epithets and now epithets an epithet is an adjective or a descriptive phrase expressing a quality characteristic of the person or thing mentioned so these are all descriptive phrases that express a quality of the goddess of beauty and creativity and passion. So one of the first is Acadalia. And now this was actually an ancient bathhouse where Aphrodite and her, the goddesses who looked after her, took baths at to purify and renew themselves. So uh, purity and renewal are intimately connected with beauty. That's very interesting. Uh, the second epithet is Anthea. This means blooming or friend of the flowers. Um, I love this. You know, I, I've said it before. Um, I would be graceless without the divinity of the flowers. Uh, it's actually a quote from my upcoming book, Seasons a year of poetry and other essays. It will be released at the end of this year, winter 2020, by Vessel Publishing Company, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, 
next epithet is Calipagos. And now this one literally translates to beautiful butt cheeks, roundness of form, softness. Um, so I, I do over a thousand squats per week. Um, lower body day is a super important day for me. Um, you know, since I've been into fitness, I've just realized how much control we actually do have over our own bodies and our own shapes. Um, and it's definitely been one of the greatest, uh, life changes that I've, I've ever made. So, and there's another epithet that's pretty close to this. It's called morpho and it means shapely or fair form. So, I mean, I, I think these things are uh, pretty self-explanatory and also pretty common with popular conceptions of beauty. Um, now, here's where it gets interesting. Meganitis or meganitis. This one means union. And now, while some scholars will translate it specifically as marital union, from an abstract purpose and from an abstract perspective this is fascinating right um and, and also as a yogini this is very fascinating that the goddess of beauty one of her names uh, one of the names that describes a quality of her is union that's the same meaning as yoga right yoga comes from the sanskrit word yuj which is a yoke um, and a yoke is a tool that is used to, to bring one side and another side together. So now this has kind of gone beyond um, the physical and now we're kind of starting to, to dive into the abstract realm of like, you know, values and like, and like, um, you know, so like, what does union look like, right? How can one embody union what does it look like to be a harmonious individual right who lives a harmonious life um so yeah it's these are just the questions i ask myself every time i read this um, and i read these epithets um, i chant them and i sing them before i take a shower every day so i can always remind myself uh, before i renew myself of the things that are the most important to me uh, the next epithet is melanea. This literally means dark or the melanated. So, right? So, melanin. This was huge for me to read in my own personal research. Um, the fact that, and it was also, there was a bit of cognitive dissonance too, because, you know, when you think of Aphrodite and when you look at fine art or renaissance paintings of her she's always so white but you know the proof is in is in the epithets right melanea so that which is melanated is beautiful right i love that i love that cruce golden dia Holy shine, special radiance. And this kind of brings it back to what I was talking about in my own personal definition of beauty. Those people who radiate, 
right? There's just, there's something about them that just shines. Patho is the next epithet, and it means persuasion or charisma. Uh, And this is a big one, too. Uh, Charisma is something that, you know, as some people were kind of, you know, born a little bit more charismatic, but ultimately it's a skill, right? And this kind of ties in with confidence, right? I think really what the things that are charismatic are, and when someone's charismatic, it's because they're confident and they know how to speak to you, right? But they keep it lighthearted, right? You know, and there's just, yeah, there's something about them. Um, It's funny. So I think this is actually why people say that people from Los Angeles are so fake because there's a lot of charisma, in that city, right? But being charismatic, you know, having a charismatic conversation has nothing to do with whether or not you're connecting with someone. So, you know, you might have a conversation with this attractive person and you're really talking and they're really asking all these questions and you're just feeling it. And then, you know, you never really talk again and you're just like, oh, that's fake. It's like, well, is it fake or did you just misread the charisma of the situation and think that it was deeper than it actually was, right? But that's the power of charisma. And I, you know, this is something that uh, beautiful people use. And, you know, I would say that probably less confident people use their charisma to manipulate, obviously, because if you're a confident person, you don't need to manipulate others. But fuck, it feels so good to be the most charismatic person in a room and to just engage people and to to magnetize them, right? You know, um, yeah, that's def- that's definitely a big one for me. Uh, last epithet, because I know this is a long list. It's another interesting one. It's Xenia, the foreigner. That which is foreign, that which is other is beautiful. You know, and I think this is, now this one is probably the antithesis of of what might be considered beautiful in the United States, right? There's so much xenophobia, fear of the other, fear of the foreigner. And yet, the mother of love herself is so connected with immigration you know and I mean you can dissect this in a number of different ways um, but overall I mean you know as a whole this list of epithets is you know just a bursting definition of beauty that you know might have completely blown your mind Um, you know I learned about all these things over over years Um, You know, I studied at a temple, I became an ordained priestess, Um, I'm currently on sabbatical, um, which I'll talk about in another episode. But, you know, I mean, if you walk around the world with these things as your definition of beauty, how would you feel about yourself? How would you feel about others? And how would you feel about the way that it's being represented on the news and in media, TV, social media, right? So another short list that I wanted to go over was a list of the graces. And now the graces were supportive goddesses of Aphrodite. 
and they were also embodiments of the seasons and time itself, which is an interesting connection, you know, that the seasons and time are the support of beauty. So uh, the first one is aglea, which means radiance, splendor, or brilliance. Euphrosine, this means joy, happiness. Cheris, kindness and grace. Hegemony, leadership, mastery. I think this one is pretty interesting. Um, Because this is something that, you know, a theme that comes up a lot in personal development, right? The the theme of, of mastering your crafts, yourself, and being a leader. Being a leader is sexy. Being a leader is, is beautiful. Mastering your craft, beautiful. Right? I mean, you know, why do why do celebrities get so much attention? And I'm sure you can answer that a number of different ways. But, you know, a lot of these people have really mastered or are on the path, very far along the path to mastery. And that's attractive, right? Don't you wish you could be like that? Don't you wish you could take, you know, that hobby or whatever that thing is that you do and be a master at it? You know, it's the attraction is undeniable. Uh, Paragoros. Soothing words. I like this one a lot. Um, I think it's why I like guided meditation so much because it's so soothing to me. The next one is Padia, play. And then the last one is Euphrosine, which is merriment or amusement. So... I like all of these, (laughs) and I know I've said that about quite a few, but what a lighthearted way to look at beauty and to look at uh, emotions and concepts that are related to beauty. You know, um, there's nothing wrong about being lighthearted. And I just think of the most uh, beautiful moments of my life, personally, and they're always filled with play um they're always filled with doing something that feels good uh with people that feel good with people that are kind with people that are beautiful and relaxed and and lighthearted. and these have always been the best moments of my life moments that were warm intense deep and connected um and brilliant so i really connect with this and i think that this automatically kind of takes us it gives a spiritual dimension to beauty, right? It's it's now beyond something that just, you know, we, we see people on the cover of magazines or, you know, the media saying, you know, oh, this is the most beautiful woman of the year. No, right? There's beauty to be had in every single one of our lives. And yeah, reading these epithets every day, because that's what I do uh, before I take a shower, I read these epithets and I just remind myself of the things that are beautiful in my life and how I can show up in the world in, in ways that are in alignment with these epithets. So that was a lot of Vanessa reading foreign words and expounding upon very abstract concepts. So let's take a short break. 
And then after that, we're going to get into what some classical and medieval yoga sources have to say on beauty and radiance and why these matter. Welcome back. Before we get into some traditional yoga definitions of beauty, I'm just going to share my model pick of the week. So every episode, uh, I'm going to be highlighting one of my favorite sign models in the industry right now. Uh, this week is Abdulian Yang, also known as AB. He is a six foot two, twenty year old Senegalese model from Staten Island, New York. Um, so Senegalese models are killing the game right now. If you're not aware, um, you know some of the hottest runway shows feature uh, mostly Senegalese models, male and female. Uh, Abdoulaye is currently signed to DNA Models in New York, Maryland agency in Paris, France, and I Love Models Management in Milan, Italy. So I saw his casting video for the Gucci pre-fall 2017 ad campaign, Soul Scene, uh, as well as this intro video um, that his agency posted online. I am so blown away by his confidence. He's just got this like, this like mellow, almost like lazy, I don't really care, but then he just makes this intense eye contact with the camera, so it's like he does care. Um, and then, you know, just hearing him talking about running around to like 20, you know, 30 castings a day. It's like, wow. So you actually do have the discipline, you know, to do this. And yet you're just so low key. You know, I'm so excited to see where his career takes him. Uh, let's take a look at one of his casting videos. Um, you can look online on YouTube for these. Um, I'm just going to post the audio clip here. I walked in on a Wednesday, one day, open call. And the first question I got was, who told you you could come here? And I was like, I don't know, me. He's like, you have a seat, you look like money. And after that, I was lit. I was in Paris for 30 days. Me and my boy Don were running around from casting to casting. It's pretty hard though, because you gotta wake up in the morning and go 20 different places in one day. Wow. Um, you know, the first thing that I think a lot of the times when, when I'm looking at him, is he so black? Like everything about him is black. Like his features, his his styling, his his speech, his and he's just so laid back and so confident, you know, and he's out here booking top ad campaigns. Like when I saw this, when I saw Gucci's pre-fall, you know, 2017 ad campaign soul scene, I felt so proud to be black. You know, I was already proud to be black, but seeing this, it was just like, wow, you know, we were, we, we really are all that. Um, and there's so much style and inherent beauty, uh, within us. If you haven't seen this, I would say, go ahead and take a look at this. Um, it's pretty inspiring. So this ad campaign was inspired by the photographs of artist Malik Sidibe. And so he was, um, from Africa in the sixties and seventies, and he was a photographer who captured youth culture there, um, all over. 
So uh, definitely look up both um, Gucci's pre-fall 2017 campaign, as well as Malik Sidibe. Um, some pretty inspiring aesthetic imagery there. So you can find Abdulier on Instagram. Uh, it's his name, Abdulier Niang. That's A-B-D-U-L-A-Y-E-N-I-A-N-G. Uh, he's also on models.com. Uh, if you know models.com, it's like the number one site to find all the top ranked agencies as well as models who are signed to them. So if you ever want to do research, it's a great place to start. So the definition of yoga uh, let's look at the etymology of that word. So yoga comes from the Sanskrit word yuj, which literally means yoke, uh, not to yoke, but a yoke. Um, if you've ever seen like that image of like two oxes pulling a cart or like a wagon, so it's that device that kind of like ties the two oxes together. It's like this this instrument that brings you know the one ox together with the other ox and makes them like a double ox up. <laughs> so yoga is the process and the lifestyle philosophy etc that brings us that yokes together our mind our body and our spirit so we become like a fully integrated being and that's at least the the goal of yoga. It's both the path and the goal. Um, yeah. So in the Yoga Sutra, chapter 3, verses 45, Patanjali says that perfection of the body consists in beauty, grace, strength, and adamantine hardness. And the word adamantine, it's a really old word, and it basically means kind of like a rock or a mineral that can take a lot of heat and a lot of pressure and a lot of hits. So right here, it's saying that if you want to be perfect, quote unquote, um, if you want to be beautiful, be graceful, be strong, and be emotionally flexible that's kind of how I based on the context interpret adamantine hardness um, a little bit before this verse in verse 39 so same chapter chapter 3 it says by self-control over the maintenance of breath pranayama one may radiate light so while this one doesn't have a direct reference to beauty, it does have a direct reference to radiance. And remember, some of those epithets directly had to do with radiance. And my own personal definition of beauty as being a quality of radiance. So, I mean, right here, not only is this, have we been given already a definition of what's beautiful in both the body and on the inside, but how to do it. Pranayama, you know, learn how to breathe, learn different ways to breathe. So and now we have the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. This text is one of the three most popular texts on Hatha Yoga. And now Hatha Yoga is where we get our modern postural practice from. And the word Hatha, it's spelled 
H-A-T-H-A. But it's not really pronounced Hatha. I mean, unless you're saying it, you know, the English way. But so this has two translations. So we have sun, moon, where ha means sun and ta means moon. So now this is the yoga of combining, of unionizing sun and moon, one side to the other. And now another definition that I've heard and, and read from scholars is that hata means forcefully, with force, or even violently. So this means that postural yoga is the yoga of force as opposed to, say, bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of love and devotion, right? That's what bhakti is. Or even karma yoga, the yoga of action, right? The yoga of service. So, Hatha Yoga Pradipika chapter 2, verses 19. Signs of success in the yoga practice are a lean body and glowing color or radiance. So, I mean, this means that yoga will make you beautiful if you practice it correctly, you know, and successfully. Chapter 2, verses 78. When the body becomes lean, the face glows with delight, the eyes are healthy, body is healthy, appetite increases, then one knows success in Hatha Yoga is approaching. So in this verse, you know, we, we see reference again to glowing and delight. Remember, and this is one of the graces was, was delight, merriment, amusement. Body healthy, you know, sight healthy, you're eating good. All of these things are connected with being beautiful and doing yoga. So, you know, these are just some, some yoga definitions of that. Um, and, the, you know, the Hatha Yoga Pradipika was written by a man named Swatmarama. And he was in the tradition of yoga that was connected with Lord Matsyendranath, the Lord of the Fishes, or Vishnu. And this is where we get fish pose. It's a, a very deep... Uh, relaxing, but also very opening and kind of very vulnerable uh, seated posture when you lay down and you usually have a block right in between your shoulder blades. So it's kind of like a very passive back bend um, and you, you fold, you, you put the top of your head on the floor and you, you put your elbows very close to your body like fins on a fish. Um, so you know, some questions that I now have and, and continue to have and love to discuss with my friends is, you know, after reading all these and finding out about these definitions and, you know, in both yoga and, and classical spirituality, etc. So who really gets to be beautiful and who really gets to decide whether someone are, is beautiful or not, you know? Is something or someone beautiful because someone said so? Or are they beautiful because there is a beauty that exists inherently within them? 
you know, this is an important philosophical question we can ask ourselves when we want to get a little bit more cerebral about beauty. Um, It's similar to the question uh, that I first learned in my first philosophy class. Is a God righteous because someone said he's righteous? Or is it because righteousness inherently exists in Godhood? You know, and maybe I'm being provocative by answering, by asking these questions, but, you know, I like being intellectually provocative, so. So, ultimately, we can say that beauty is confidence, health, and radiance. A bit of playfulness, a bit of sexiness, a bit of blackness, but mostly lightness and health. So I hope this maybe clarifies the definitions of both yoga and beauty to you. And also, I hope that it makes sense how the two are connected. And I hope that maybe you can answer some of these questions the next couple of weeks because, you know, some of them are heavy and you might not have the answers, your own personal answers just yet. But keep on diving deep and, you know you'll find something interesting and valuable to you. So that wraps up episode one. We have now defined yoga, we've defined beauty, and we've explored the relationship between all of them. Next week is episode two, Welcome to American Yoga, with guest yoga teachers Christina Modest and Olka Forster-Balda. Christina Modest is a rest advocate yoga teacher and longtime practicer and Olga is a 28 year old world traveler poet and podcaster from the Gambia West Africa so we'll be asking some really really touchy questions about uh, just culture yoga culture right now and, and what it looks like to be a yogi in America and what that means so stay tuned stay subscribed and I'll see you next week